0: one trek through the rainforest, one life-changing decision, and one three-week incredible fight for survival.
1: I lived to escape the well-worn path. University, work, marriage, kids. I wanted to experience the extraordinary. You're such a letdown, I can't even believe it.
0: Rock! not yourself! Don't leave me! I'm not leaving you, okay? Before this story became a big screen blockbuster, one man lived through it. It's no secret that often the most influential people in our world, the ones that probably have the most influence on your own life, are often amazing storytellers. Stories transport us to places we couldn't have previously imagined. Stories connect us emotionally. They turn us into the heroes of our own journeys. And if you're looking to increase your own influence, we are literally hardwired to engage with stories more so than any other form of communication. So what does it take to tell epic stories? And not only that, what does it take to tell them in such a way that your audience is literally transported through time and space? My name is Julie Masters, and you're listening to the Inside Influence podcast, where I delve into the minds of some of the world's most fascinating influencers to really get to the bottom of what it takes to own your voice and then amplify it in order to drive an idea, an industry, a conversation, or a nation. My next guest is Yossi Ginsberg. Now I've known Yossi for over a decade and I've watched him reach millions of people across the globe through best-selling books, from the stage as a speaker, and, and now as a Hollywood film based upon his life. And yet, Even for me, his particular brand of magic is still really difficult to put into words, to the point that it actually took none other than Harry Potter, Harry Potter, the amazing Daniel Radcliffe to capture him on screen. You know, Yossi had gone out there looking for an adventure, then at some point after a sort of culmination of different situations. Uh, Yossi ended up getting separated from the whole group and ending up alone in the jungle for three weeks. So this is the story of his time out there. And it's not a spoiler. To obviously like, I'm here. He wrote the book. So, you know, he gets through it. Now to say that he's a master storyteller really just doesn't do him justice. I've watched him create a campfire environment wherever he goes, from boardrooms of CEOs to auditoriums of thousands, We've traveled together around the world and, and the best way that I can describe him is that he brings a gravity, a certainty along with him that's just mesmerizing to whoever he's with.
1: You're in the world. That's why you're here.
0: Now, to be clear from the beginning, if you're on your way to work and you're looking for a punchy tools to use at your 10 a.m. sales meeting, I promise you we'll get to that later. But this is not that. In the words of our producer, when she listened to this episode, talking to Yossi is less like a linear series of tactics and more a meandering journey through Paolo Coelho's The Alchemist. The direction can be uncertain, but the story is worth the ride. In this episode, I'm so pleased to bring you one of the most special people from my world, so much so that he was actually the celebrant of my wedding. So curl up with a cup of tea, cup of coffee, whatever your poison, prepare to be transported and enjoy my conversation with the man behind the movie, Yossi Kinsberg.
1: I arrived in the Amazon and of course uh, I went up uh, to the village. This is the only village in on the Tuiichi River, where my ordeal took place, and the tribe is the Uchupiamona. And in terms of the story, I just want to tell you, I actually traveled because of a story. You know, I didn't travel for you know fun or for um, you know like to do to trekking. I wasn't a, a usual backpacker. I came because of a story and searching for my own story. I read too many adventure books. I was about to I say that
0: it feels like you also went in search of a story you actually went looking
1: for it i went i went looking for it and you know i worked hard first of all to be in the position you know for a year i just prepared myself for the journey and then for almost another year i was searching for my story and my story was specific it wasn't like vague i knew my story i was i wanted to explore a tribe that uh, never met culture before and then I wanted to become part of the tribe. I wanted to marry the daughter of the chief and then find riches of gold, (laughs) and that was my dream. But I was serious about it. I was serious. It wasn't just, you know, like, uh, I went to do it. And I was actually from Venezuela down. I entered any jungle in search for my tribe in Venezuela, in Colombia, in Ecuador, in Peru. And finally, I arrived in Bolivia where I found and the guide that promised to take me to that, that, you know, my big story. But when I came back, I went to the only tribe that lives there. And though they met culture before there were still indigenous people living in the middle of the Amazon. And when I met them, they told me, look, you're coming to thank us for saving your life. We really appreciate it, but we are dying. And will you do something to save our lives? And. I didn't know that this was all planned. Uh, The way we look at people, at tribal people, you know, like sometimes we underestimate them. These people are extremely, extremely cunning and intelligent. And they set me up, they're trapper. So I was trapped. And they told me that they're dying because their youth is leaving the village, because there is progress in the jungle town downriver. And they want progress. They don't want to live the ancestral life. And they just want what other people have. As in, you know, like getting money and buying things. So they're leaving their village and they take uh, any jobs, scrubbing the backs of uh, restaurants and, and 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 floors and kitchens and stuff like that. Because they're like the most remote, forgotten people. And they have no position and no status And but it's better than staying in the village because they make a few pesos and that's progress. So they said when the youth is leaving the village, basically the village is dying. We have to keep the youth here and we have an idea. And it was their idea to build a resort. It was an impossible idea. Impossible because there was no way to get even to the jungle town at the time. Um, but the good thing, and that's, you know, one thing I want to share with you and with your audience, Jules, is that they didn't know it's impossible. And that's the power of naivete in a story. So for them, they were that type of dreamers. They told me thousands of people from all over the world are going to come to see our resort because, you know, we are indigenous people. We live in the middle of the most amazing forest. There's so much richness here of, of, of uh, uh, wildlife and people will come to see that. I was trapped, you know, I wasn't in a position to say no because they saved my life. How can I say no? So I said yes, I will help you. And I'm, you know, I'm very committed to my my word. The moment I say something, you know, I don't say it lightly. I rather not say and not promise or if I promise, I rather promise something very small because if I say I do something, then I do it. So when I told them I'm going to do it, I had no choice i had to do it uh, and to do it take. you know. As, again I, I stayed there for three years in the middle of the jungle with them and um, it took three years uh, until we opened the resort we started in 92 by 95 we opened it today in 2017 i'll just tell you the end of the story thousands of people from all over the world are arrived and still arriving. Today, there's six flights a day to the jungle town and a new road was uh, cut open from, from the Andes to the Amazon. And thousands of people, including the King of Sweden, including Leonardo DiCaprio and Arison Ford has been to this resort. Much more than that. This resort inspired 120 other indigenous community to follow the lead of Chalalan, which is indigenous communities that don't wait for somebody to save them, but take the initiative and save themselves. This is the biggest story of Chalalan.
0: Did you end up marrying the chief's daughter?
1: I did. So, you know, like my dream (laughs) was to find my I really thought you were going to say no then. (laughs) no. Look, I got married. I brought the chief daughter with me, you know, and she was a daughter of a chief in Jerusalem. But I did marry her in a shamanic ritual in the middle of the Amazon, in the middle of the uncharted Amazon, you know, far, far from civilization, with local shamans, with the entire tribe, with no electricity. I did marry my daughter of the chief within my community. I was anointed uh, and Uchupiamona officially, I became part of this tribe. I am an Uchupiamona, and I'm the ambassador of the Uchupiamona in the world, and I found the gold as well. The gold is what I just told you. When you are impacting the life of others, that's gold, you know? So I I got my story. I got my tribe. I got the daughter of the chief and the gold.
0: That's, I mean, a testament to the power of starting out with and intention and also knowing the story that you want to, that you want to create the story that you want to tell of your life. I'm going to go on to something, the second thing that you did. So the first thing that you did is you went back because that story didn't feel complete. The, the second thing that you did is you went out there and you started speaking about it. You wrote the book, um, you've traveled, you've spoken on huge stages around the world. You know, many times I've, I've come with you and I've seen you in action and now obviously you've got a major Hollywood movie about your story. How did that start? How did that particular <laughs> journey start?
1: Look, uh, you know, I, I was always a storyteller, Jules. I was As a kid, I was a storyteller. You know, I was a storyteller to such a degree that k- kids would come to me with their stories and tell me, can you tell my story just because you tell it better? <laughs> so I, I knew I was a storyteller and a storyteller you know, needs to tell stories. And um, it's, it's almost a gift, you know, it's not something that I've learned. It's, it's my gift. And when a storyteller has a story, you know, that combination is little, little, you know, so this was, you know, I got a huge story that, you know, I didn't make up. This is like a really classic story that I went through, you know, it's like Lord of the Fly and, 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 and the treasures of Sierra Madre combined, you know, it's like, Heart of Darkness. It's a very powerful elements in this story, of four men away from civilization, of one man against all the elements alone. So it's a powerful story, and people wanted to hear that story. And being a storyteller, you yield to your nature and you tell the story. That's the extrovert. I started telling the story to the people that saved me. You know, <laughs> the, the, the first moment I was saved, sitting around the fire, they wanted to know what happened. So on the eve of my survival. I already told the story. And then when we came to the village, everybody wanted to know what happened. And I told them. So I started telling the story immediately after it happened. By the time I came back to Israel, and which was by the way, six months after this uh, uh, event. And publisher was waiting for me with an offer because the story was so powerful it arrived before me and the publisher gave me an offer Uh, this was the first time that i actually wrote a story because you know i didn't i didn't think myself um, uh, as an author i still don't my book uh, sold millions of copies uh, around the world because there was no author to ruin the story i was just a young and innocent and i just told my story so even though i wrote a book i wrote the book as a storyteller and not as an author an author has uh, something to say of his own an author has perspective an agenda he wants to describe a view in a very you know like prosaic way for me it was just about telling the story and that's the power of my book it wasn't written by an author it was written by a storyteller and that's why also i want to give that gift to everybody don't be daunted by telling your story or writing it you know you are a storyteller each one of us is so and um, that's how it all started and the story is very powerful i didn't ruin it and i'm a storyteller by nature i never took any course in in you know like uh, or how to tell a story, I took many other courses to complement that gift. But this is a natural gift, and it's very important. The reason why I say natural gift, natural gift. That's also the essence of what you know. Like my message is: find your natural gift, find what you're meant to do. It feels the best. So for me to be on stage in front of people, it's the most comfortable uh, place because I'm in my element. And in when one is in your element you're happy and you feel comfortable and you're not stressed and that allows you actually to also be fully fully present in that moment and and do a good job
0: and you know I've been with you we've we've traveled together I've been with you actually in Israel which is where you're you're talking to me from now and what I found amazing is just how recognized you, you are there, um, and around the world, but specifically in your hometown, when, when did you start to get a sense of, oh my goodness, this is really resonating. What was the tipping point where you thought this is getting bigger than me now?
1: Yeah. Um, it took a, a few years, you know, I, I, I knew I had an amazing story and I, and, I, I, I wrote the book and I told the story, but I didn't think it's going to be change my life and, uh, and be my career. And um, I went back to normal life as in went to university, I married my girlfriend that I met at kindergarten. So basically, I came back home, came back to the neighborhood, and did what everybody else that um, does, you know, just went to university, got a girlfriend, married, and started the uh, life. It took a few years for the book actually to be published. And then it, it just happened, Jules. It, it happened overnight. You know, nobody expected it. But alone myself, I never, you know, in Israel at the time, they told me 5,000 books is a bestseller. Uh, Well, this book sold hundreds of thousands of copies in Israel, and it's still selling. It's one of the biggest literary phenomenas in the history uh, of the country. It's a book that never went out of print. It's still on shelves. It became part of the culture here. So it influenced the entire society. Everybody knows my story. Everybody knows my, my name. So if I'm not recognized by face, if... I get to say my name, people immediately uh, know who I am. Uh, And it happened overnight. Overnight, it it was a success. And overnight, I became a kind of celebrity because uh, media started calling, and then I got my own uh, radio show, and I was a guest in many, uh, you know, like... uh, TV programs and I started becoming um, kind of well known in Israel. I also was invited to take stage, you know, like I didn't know you do these things. As I said, I always told stories, but to to get on stage and do it uh, is actually very, very powerful. Actually, it's more powerful than theater. It's more powerful than a concert, uh, a music concert, because even if you're a singer, you still have a drummer and a bass behind you and other members, or you got your guitar as a tool. Um, If you're a lecturer, you have your PowerPoint. If you're an an actor in the theater, you've got your co-actors. And to be a storyteller, that means no AV, it's just the power of the words. And it's you're alone in front of audience. That's really essence of theater. It's very, very powerful art form. And just to take the stage and, and, and it's intoxicating that kind of energy to, to, to be in front of people. So this was a discovery for me. And I loved it, loved it. And I loved it. Most, more than anything, it, what it does for people, because the real, the true power of a story, if it has something for others beyond entertainment, you know, and I think that's the true power of story, that it has some essence of truth, something that can touch another heart and makes it make a difference in, in in another person's life. That's the biggest, biggest, biggest uh, um, gift of, of of a story and a storyteller. And I discovered that. And, um, you know, I'm still addicted. I love doing it.
0: If you had one piece of advice, just one piece to give to somebody who has an amazing story and wants to get it out there more, what would be the first step?
1: Dare to be you and dare to be vulnerable and dare to expose. Tastefully, yeah, but expose, go deep and connect to your emotions. Make it real. Some magic will happen and and that magic will for a moment you'll forget what's going on you'll forget the audience and you will just be there alone with yourself and you know that's the biggest healing for for the storyteller and for the audience when emotions are really genuinely touched so what i'm saying is it's not about the words do not craft your story in perfect phrases and have the perfect beginning, middle and end. Throw a few jokes in the middle to relieve tension and think you have a great story to tell. It's not about the words. It's about the emotions. It's about the authenticity. You know, that's what people get. People don't get a beautiful sentence. A beautiful sentence means nothing, you know, connect to your emotion and there to be vulnerable and authentic. And, if you have a story to tell, let the story tell tell, tell itself through the emotions, not through the external things of choosing the, the proper sentences. That's my advice.
0: You have the ability to take a story, give it a sense of place and a sense of time beyond the mechanics of storytelling. And there's a lot to be said about the mechanics of storytelling, body language, you know, vocal variety. There's We could go, you know, a thousand leagues deep on that and we will in other mm. episodes, but I want to talk about what you're amazing at, and that is giving a story some soul. What makes a great story for you and how do you how do you structure it so it keeps its soul?
1: And for me, um it's about again, it's about being very it's I I, I don't, you know, I have an accent, my English is not perfect, and my stories are not built Um, it's not about the architecture of the story. It's about the soul of the story, as you rightly pointed. The story as a soul, when the story is not trying to portray something, you know? I'm not trying to beautify anything. I'm actually daring to show um, the dark spaces. And I'm, 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 I'm daring to touch the deepest and darkest emotions. And... You know, it's very powerful because we all have deep and dark, and the moment it's a process. When 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 you do it genuinely, and um, on stage, it's like a ritual. All the people have something in within them to connect to that notion, and they process something. The soul of the story is is the healing soul. You know, a good story telling is a session of healing you know people cry and people have epiphanies and people are transformed it's amazing what you know a story can do so i have utter respect for a story and i will never abuse a story as i say the integrity here because how can i sing a a song if it's manipulated or abused or it's contrived you know i
0: love that you said about not being perfect. I think that, again, one of the biggest things that I see in the work that that I do that keeps people from owning their voice, that keeps people from getting out there and owning their space, either in a room or on a stage or in a presentation or in a sales meeting is the fear of not being perfect, the fear of it, of it not being word perfect. And I know that you and I have had moments in the past where I have wanted you to structure your story more. And to your credit, you've, you've always resisted. And one of the things that you've, that you've always said to me is that you channel and you get up there and you channel it. And i I was almost reluctant to actually put this in the podcast because it's one of those don't try this at home moments. You know, if you get invited to speak in front of thousands of people, don't not do your preparation and then just say, you're going to channel on stage. But I think it's worth talking about because that's, Mm. you go against the grain there. Everything that I have ever been taught, anything that most people would ever teach about storytelling is that you, you know, the story, you practice the story, you get its nuances down. You do it very differently. Can you tell me a little bit more about channeling as a process?
1: Yeah. Well, I am channeling the story. And I wouldn't uh, I just want to say so people don't have weird ideas that it's not channeling in sense of I have some uh, um, spirit talking to me and telling me what to say. It's not that I'm channeling in the sense that I'm not aware. I'm not aware. Uh, I just lose myself completely. And then everything that comes comes completely fresh. This is the sense of channeling that I'm saying. Yeah. And it just happens. And I I would say, you know, if if people, of course, you you can actually work with it. It's not completely structureless. So I would say, you know, what you can do is actually have a good story and learn it and do the preparation, but let it go. The moment you cling to it and then you try to memorize it by heart so you know exactly the word to use, then it becomes mechanical and it loses its soul. You can do a perfect job, but the audience don't want per- perfect job. The audience want the soul. That's what's the most effective thing, is the soul. So being imperfect has more soul than being perfect, you know? Mm. So you just do your preparation and let them go and trust. And how, how can you do that? Again, I'm not talking about the lecture. Lecture is a totally different thing. Knowledge-based speakers, they need to, you know, like masters and. Their- content and deliver very accurate content. And I have great respect for them. But storytellers have to tell a story. And if you tell the story mechanically, and if the story is all written and all you do is reciting, it loses its soul. And I I would say, if you tell uh, how to do it, tell your own stories. If you tell your own stories, you remember them. You don't have to memorize them, you know, and they're more powerful. So be authentic, find your stories. And the moment you have your stories to tell and the notions and, and the insights will come naturally. So the art of storytelling is not telling the entire story. is knowing when to stop and shed a light um, here and there. Those are the insights. That's where we put light on, on, on an event and, and we give a gift of the, the, the teaching of that event as well. Um, it will allow you not to bore yourself to death because I never told the same t- story twice. Never. I can't, even if I want. So e- even if I tell the story, people in the audience that heard me before said, oh, it's totally different than the last time.
0: So you almost so, have a, a destination. You know the destination that you want to get to and you have various points of the story that you know you have to hit along the way, but how you get to those points changes every time. Is that about, does that feel about right
1: Yes, yeah. it does feel about right, but also it allows for um evolution, you know, because then the story allows you to grow. If if the story is the important thing, then you just keep telling the same story. This is called like regurgitating, you know, and there's not much soul in it, there's, there's, there's not much. So you're manipulating, you're a good actor, and you can pull and the story is well built. And people respond to it, but it wouldn't go as deep it wouldn't go in deep you you may have success but people you know are going to forget it because people don't really remember what you said they remember who you are they remember what you did to them emotionally not intellectually and to do something emotionally you have to be um, you know you have to be real and touch your emotion if you're just reciting and you know, I, again, I have no judgments as many masters and I respect uh, everybody's way of work, but we're talking about me. So I'm just sharing from my own world. This is the way uh, I feel.
0: To get into that space. So to be in that space, what, what kind of processes, what, are there any specific processes or rituals before you begin telling a story that help you get into that place where you can let go of. Of the mechanics of it, and actually get into the moment with the story.
1: Um, I pace up and down. I always come before the audience, and I get on stage, and I and I walk on stage before the people came. Uh, so I'm familiar with the stage, and it's kind of like a kind of a rehearsal. I just go alone on stage, and I just pace up and down the stage, and I look at the empty chairs, and I get familiar. I usually look at the light. And I and, and I talk to the AV people, and I say, look, uh, can you adjust the light? The light is very important for me because I want to see eyes. If I, you know, that's also part of the campfire storytelling. If I don't connect to eyes, um, I lose. I lose that. Uh, I cannot tell a story without telling a story to people. So that's very important for me, the eyes of the people. And I, you know, it will happen without choosing you know I, I will select a few eyes you know it happens naturally i don't choose the people but somehow i connect to a few uh, faces and i'll move my eyes from one face to another and i look people in the eye that allows me actually to tell the story and that's what that's my feedback i can see um, on their face um, you know the, the absorption and and i think that's very important to to have eye contact and many times in events you don't have eye contact because they have some camera and they want to, have to you know to to uh, wash the stage with light so because you're the talent you have the right to ask uh, the light to be adjusted to allow you to do your art
0: and i think it's not just you know being being the talent i think that even if you're in a small room even if you're in front of two or three people you have the right to set that room up to request for that room to be set up or to set it up yourself in a way that's going to give you the greatest impact because it's in it's in the best interest of your audience that they have the best experience when they right. put an hour aside in their lives to come and hear your story, to witness your story. And the same whether you're presenting in front of you know a very small group of people and you're presenting an idea or a product – they've put that time aside and it is the most respectful thing you can do to set that room up in a way that they're going to get the largest impact from giving you that time.
1: One, one more thing that came to me about the storytelling is humility, you know, and when you tell a story with humility, that's, you know, because if you're cocky and you know, it's like me, 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 look what my story and my wisdom that I'm going to endow on you, you know, that limits. Um, the power of your story um, humility allows you to be bigger. Um, humility doesn't mean you make yourself small. It, it means you make yourself much bigger because the moment you're not me, 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 then why not, you know, like shine much larger. Actually, it's the, the other way around. If you're coming from a strong ego, you become smaller because the ego is not that strong. The moment uh, you're not coming from ego and you know that you come to serve, nothing stops you. So that's another tip, you know. It's not, you know, like one has to gain humility. It's not a decision, okay, I'll be humble. But, um, you know, I, from my experience, um, the more humble I became, and I didn't get humble. I was humbled. thank life. Um, I actually became a bigger speaker and that's interesting because i know i'm 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 fully there um, by calling and for a service and it's not about self aggrandizing and shining you know my wisdom and you know it's not about that it's about um, being of service so it actually made me a bigger speaker
0: for me that's there's a point there to be made in the difference between confidence. No, there's a difference between being certain and speaking with certainty. That's, that's kind of how I define that in my mind. If you're, you can get on stage and you can be certain and that actually makes you smaller. It makes you less open to feedback. It makes you, um, less open to how a story evolves. The alternative to that is that you can get on stage or wherever you happen to be presenting and you can speak with certainty and the mm. difference there is where you, you just, you own it. You know, this is my experience. This is what happened. It's not perfect. Um, I'm going to give you the best that I've got based on all my experiences in this moment. I'm going to leave nothing on the table. And when you speak with certainty, it's engaging and it invites people into your story. When you, when you speak as if you're certain, that closes it down.
1: I agree. That's a and good way to it.
0: Link there with humility. That again, you do you do so beautifully. I can't let you go now without um, without talking about the movie just a little bit. What's beautiful about that is that almost is the moment now. You know, we've talked about how y- you went out in search of a story. We've talked we've talked about how you created that story and how you tell that story, and and now you're in this really interesting space where you have to let the story go. That's right. Where the story has legs of its own. Now it's. It's a movie It played by, Dan, you're played by Daniel Radcliffe, Harry Potter, I think I've said to you before, I can't think of anybody <laughs> better equipped to portray the magic of you than Harry Potter. <laughs> Tell me just a little bit about that. You know, you, you've let that story go. You've got to let it go on multiple levels. You've got to let it go to writers, to other people.
1: That's right.
0: You've got to let it go to editors. Right. You've got to let it go to the actors and Daniel himself to go out there and play you. How does it feel to have something that you hold with such deep respect yeah. and something that you have spent so much of your life crafting to then just send it out into the universe with other people almost at the reins?
1: Well, yeah, it's, it's a tough place, Jules. It's a good place you bring it up because it was extremely difficult for me. And I actually, it took 26 years to bring this story to the screen because mostly I sabotaged uh, most opportunities that came before that. Because uh, I never felt confident enough to trust that story in the hands of somebody else. So numerous times I was the hindrance to the making of this movie. <laughs> so now I had, I decided to go with it. And even going with it, I came in as a producer, you know, I didn't just let go of it. I, I still tried to have some control. And my, my, I wanted control just for the integrity of the characters, not even the story. Um, but I just didn't want to see the characters being uh, abused. So it was very important to me to to protect that. And and I fought, I fought with the director, and I fought with the writer, and you know, positively fought, you know, like uh, just you know, passionately trying to um, convince them to. And, um, you know, like, as I read the screenplay, I had many, many comments and I said days with the director, Greg McLean, and worked a lot with Justin Monjo and the writer. But in the end, I learned that I have to let go. Because out of respect, um, I learned that first of all, they're making a movie. And though so the movie is based on a true story. It's a movie and not a documentary yeah it's a feature film not a documentary and that is the kernel of it because a feature film means that there are artists as well they're not here to do a documentary they're here to do their art and they have also the right to have their artistic uh, expression and and to interpret it and let that story live in a different form in a different art form and so when i realized that uh, it was easier for me uh, to to just take a step back and just uh, watch them do their work and it was strange because uh, you know all of them came to life you know yossi daniel became yossi and the rest of the the group, uh, you know, were interpreted by actors. And it was different. It was fascinating. There was a real dynamic between the actors, and this dynamic found itself into the movie. In a way, the movie was real, you know, like the relationship between the four characters became real because those actors lived in Colombia, away from home for a, a couple of months and they had relationship and they had attractions and aversions and some liked each other and some didn't and it all found itself and it was interesting since the story influenced the actors the actors influenced the story and in the end and I, I think they did a very good job of staying true to the story telling the story as it happened their interpretation i respect a lot though i must tell you I can see that it's, you know, it's not me. Daniel is doing an amazing job, but uh, he's doing a very good Yossi, but he's not doing me. Um,
0: I think that would be an impossibility.
1: So I, I, I just, uh, the important thing for me was that uh, it it will have that quality A movie is story uh, is a form of storytelling, of course. And as I, I mentioned before, the importance of a story is to touch an art at the heart, not entertainment. And that's the highest form of a story to, to make a difference in somebody's life.
0: It also shows the power of collaborating with people. I mean, you just obviously were collaborating at a very high level as in a, you know a movie, but when you can let something go enough to collaborate with others to get a message out there you have access to a whole new world of audience, but you've got to be able to let it go a little bit yes. first.
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, uh, there's much to be said about that as well. And I, I just realized we talked about just the surrounding without actually touching the calling, you know, what what is important for me in my story to to, to share with people. But I hope you have, you have another podcast with me that we talk about the content itself. And that's, that's the passion that is still burning for me.
0: Well, it's funny you say that because I, my last question could well hit that one on the head, although I would love to have you back. There's, there will never be a shortage of, of Yoshi conversations in my world. I always finish the podcast in the, in the same way and with the same question. And why I do that is because I think that some of the most influential people that I know have a sense of clarity around what they're trying to say and why they're trying to say it. And I love to tap into that sense of clarity. So if I gave you, I usually say five minutes, but we're running out of time. So I'm going to give you one. If I gave you one minute and a stage and a microphone, not an unusual place for you to be. And in front of you was everybody you could ever hope to influence in that one minute, what would you say?
1: Look, the shorter, the harder, as you know, you know, like in one minute, it's just the essence of it. So, you know, for me, I, I think I would tell them you are a storyteller. You are an author, you write the story of your life. It's a big, complex book, with lots of drama and melodrama. Don't forget who is the hero who is the protagonist, you must be the hero of your story. It is your duty to be the hero of your story. You're not an extra, you are the hero. Step up and be the hero. Write that your life with no regrets. Write it. Allow your dream to come. Remember, this is this is your life that you're writing. Wake up. Wake up to the truth that it's your duty to live your life fully and to be the hero that you're destined to be. Uh, Find your voice. Find find your calling. Be true to that. Life is too short um, to live as an extra. Be the hero that you're destined to be.
0: On that note, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go. Although I could always talk to you for hours. Yossi Ginsberg, thank you so much for sharing um, just a small part of your brilliance, which is sto- storytelling. <laughs> and what it takes to be a masterful storyteller
1: so much so much i really appreciate it thank you much much gratitude and love to you Joel.
0: thanks so much for listening we really hope you enjoyed this episode and found lots of useful insights and ideas for growing your influence Thanks, as always, to our producer and the main brain behind the Inside Influence podcast, Lauren Kelly. In the words of Jerry Maguire, you complete me. You can find out a little bit more about me and the work that I do by jumping on my website, julimasters.com or by following me on Instagram, jules.masters. If you did enjoy the show, then we would love you to share this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe to make sure you
1: never miss an interview.